Hey guys, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Cassidy. And I'm Dakota. And this is Late Night Discussions with Dakota and Cassidy. In tonight's episode, we are going to be discussing the topic of autism, specifically about our child who was diagnosed with autism and how we raise him with his specific disorder. Now, for anybody who doesn't understand what autism is or what it does or how it affects the brain, I'll give you a small little definition that I put together myself. Um, A person with autism typically tends to have more sensory and social issues. They also process information quicker or slower than that of a person who does not have autism. Sometimes, in the case of our son, some autistic people have a hard time communicating verbally. They often mumble, speak with a delay, or don't speak at all, and will need to learn other forms of communication. OCD, ADHD, and ADD can also play a large role in an autistic brain. Would you say that that was a pretty good definition of autism? Yes, especially the OCD and the hyper part. The hyper part? Yes. What's the hyper part? The ADHD. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, we're using different microphones this time, so if it sounds a little off or weird, um, we're trying to figure out the settings on it and go from there. So, but um, raising an autistic child. So we're going to go into detail about our son, my stepson, and your biological son, yes. Nick. He's six years old. And he has autism or ASD, which is Autistic Spectrum Disorder. I think that's what that's called. Yes, it is. Um, And we're just going to talk to you all about him specifically, how we deal with raising um, an, an autistic child amongst other children that don't have any mental disorders. Um, we're going to talk about the journey from when he was first diagnosed with autism to how he's doing now, and we'll just give you a couple of inside sneak peeks at like what it's like to be parents of a mentally challenged kid. Now, um, autism is not something that we feel is a huge disability because our son is in no way disabled. No. Like he is able to do normal things. He knows right and wrong and other things like that. So we're not trying to offend anybody by talking about mentally challenging issues that people might have or talk badly about other people who might have mentally challenged, challenging issues. Well, I wouldn't go as far as hating or discriminating on anybody because, like, for me, for an example, my younger sister... Mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy and severe epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to discriminate on anybody. Right. Especially knowing that my son has a form of uh, mental handicap. Let's just call it that, a handicap. Mm-hmm. So we're not claiming to be any therapists or doctors or any other medical professional nope. that can tell you what to do or how to do something with a person with autism. We're only the parents of an autistic child, so that's all we're claiming to be. So now that that 
little disclaimer is out of the way, we'll go ahead and I have a whole notebook of questions because I have actually not been in Nick's life for a long time. I've been in Nick's life for about three years. I met you when he was three years old. He had already been diagnosed with autism. And at that point he was nonverbal. So I didn't really get to like know him, know him as a kid um, until really just recently. Um, So I have questions for you because you were there from the start of it all. Mm -hmm. So um, this will give our listeners a better understanding of um, what it's like or and what it was like from the beginning. So when was Nick diagnosed with autism? Uh, somewhere in between uh, one and two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the signs that made you want to go get him tested or like were you concerned about what he was doing? Well, the concerns were he he started out like any other normal baby where he would, you know, pick up words and try to walk or the crawling. And it just seemed like everything was fine mm-hmm. for the first little bit. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like somebody hit the brakes, stopped, stopped speaking, stopped, you know, doing, like, well, he was already walking, so that didn't really stop. You couldn't stop him from that. <laughs> he was already, he skipped walking and went straight to running. Right. But, uh, and that's that's that part of that definition where I say that they can process information super fast, super fast, which, which also details into, they can pick up skills faster than that of a person who doesn't have an, or doesn't have autism, excuse me. Uh, But yeah, basically he stopped, I wouldn't say the learning, but just stopped speaking and that seemed kind of a uh, an issue, so we decided to go and have him checked. Maybe it was his hearing, like maybe like mm-hmm. we didn't know at the time. So we went and had him checked out, and his regular physician or pediatric doctor uh, figured, okay, maybe it's got something to do with his ears. So we took him in, had his hearing tested, and it was fine. And led in for, led led from that way went into a therapist. Maybe it was something mental. They they were the ones that suggested it from the beginning, and I didn't accept it right mm-hmm. away. And by the time we went to the uh, behavioral therapist, he was about two years old at this time. And they come to the conclusion after a little like handful of tests that they do, like it's simple like skills tests and stuff uh, they come to that conclusion that he was lower like low on the spectrum mm-hmm. but yes that's what he was and for some reason i just i wouldn't accept it right. uh, that was just me I, it's hard for me to grasp that my child is autistic mm-hmm. and so i i wanted a, a second and third opinion and that's exactly what i did took him to two two more different specialists and therapists, and they all come to that same conclusion. Same, they did, they ran the same tests, same everything, and that's what he was. Hmm. So at that point, I, I just accepted it. I, you know, it was still hard, 
but I accepted it. Mm-hmm. You know, no parent wants to know that their child will be slightly different. Right. Now, you know, you always want your child to have the best of life and have nothing wrong with them. Because yeah. that's kind of your job to protect them and make sure that they're healthy. And to know that, it was kind of a little harsh. Is it also disappointing in a way because... You know, when you found out that you were going to have a son and you had all these plans for what you guys were going to do together, how you were going to raise him, and then you found out that there was a disorder that was going to put him in a different bracket of how you raise him, was that somewhat disappointing to you? Well, I hate to say it that way, but in a sense, I mean, yes. it's okay. Yes, it was, because you had high hopes and dreams for the child. You had a specific yeah, set, set life in your in your head mm-hmm. of how you were planning on raising him, and it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, would you say it's it's more difficult to raise an autistic child than it is to have a child that doesn't have? Yes, it's autism? it's most definitely yeah. harder. What are the challenges that you would face, like from when he first was first diagnosed, or even before that? Well, I mean. The challenges are that you have to pay a whole lot more attention to them because they have sensory issues. So they're constantly touching things, grabbing things. I mean, like any other normal kid, but they're more into it. So they're going to destroy things. (laughs) And sensory issues can also be like if there's too many loud noises. Yes, that too. They cover their ears. I've seen a lot of um, parents that have had autistic children um, where they go out in public and they wear those um, headphones that like block out the noise. Like people wear like NASCAR uh, races and stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, Because if they have too many loud noises, it's just a sensory overload and their brain just cannot handle all that yes um <laughs> so yeah he he had a, a whole list of different things that he could and couldn't do and it was a lot more that he couldn't do mm-hmm. uh, due to the fact that he was like constantly getting into things uh, not saying that you know other kids won't do stuff like that. I mean we have two other kids and oh, they're, yeah. they they're, they're pretty they bad. jump off of things they destroy things as well they the behavioral are, is uh, issues are not just autistic children it's, no, all, that's children. All, that's all, that's all children and that's the other thing too is he's just a six year old kid so you know just as much as we're trying to figure out how to learn as he grows up he's also trying to figure out who he is as a six-year-old kid so of course there's going to be behavioral issues he doesn't know any better so yeah he's just a child Mm -hmm. and sometimes we can be a little bit impatient but that's Mm -hmm. just us as parents (laughs) well i mean that's that should be anybody everybody's going to be a little impatient any kind of alcohol is a very good like tool to have when you're having a stressful day, just pour yourself a glass or two of red wine, and relax if you can. <laughs> yeah, if you can. Yeah, some autistic children are a little bit different than our son. Like there are some autistic children that absolutely need a hundred percent care from the time they wake up to the time that they go to bed. Yes. Um, and 
we are blessed with the fact that we do not have that kind of issue with our son, but mm-hmm. we do feel for anybody that does have to go through that. And we do definitely applaud each and every one of you for um, taking care of whoever you're taking care of, whether it be a child with autism, a family member, a friend, or if you're taking care of just other people that have mental issues or anybody that works in the field of yeah that, you know loud what's the word i'm looking for uh like say nursing homes and uh any of the uh senior yeah. senior living but yeah. anybody that has to deal with any form of mental illnesses yeah. if it be from like what we're talking about from autism all the way up to alzheimer's yeah any of that I, I give anybody applause on that one mm-hmm. because that's that's very challenging. Yeah. Um, is it true though that the challenges with autism get better over time? The challenges. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes. Uh, eventually, he's going to learn you know, like certain things and certain uh, routines, and eventually he will. Uh, catch on and you don't have to pay attention to him as much and uh, it will eventually get easier but um, it's just a slower process with him right so the challenges may get easier but the autism stays like for for nick he went from non-verbal to mumbling to now he can say specific sentences and I have actually sat down with Nick and had a little interview for you guys to listen to. It's only a minute long, but take a listen to how Nick communicates with us. All right, this is an interview with Nicholas. This is our child that um, was diagnosed with autism. Stop touching. <laughs> yeah. um, go ahead and tell tell people your name. A. No, your name. A. What's your name? I, Nicholas. Nicholas. And how old are you, Nicholas? Can you say six? Six. You are six years old. Talk right there. Yes, six years old. And do you go to school? School day. Yeah. And do you like school? I like school. Yeah. So, do you like to read or write or whatever? Yeah. What did you do today? Yeah. You went to your mama's house. What else did you do? Mm hmm. And did you have a good day? Well, you don't have school right now, right? Because it's spring break. Okay. Yeah. And what's your favorite color? You like to paint? What's your favorite color? Do you like do you like orange or red or yellow? And do you like either of those colors? I love red like ketchup. I love like ketchup. You like red like ketchup? So that was just a little snippet of um, what Nick sounds like and how he communicates. You can tell that he kind of mumbles a little bit. He can sound out specific words and talk to you in a specific in a specific way, which is his own way. Um, but we found a way to understand him. So yeah, it takes a little bit more effort. Yeah. 
but um, as you can tell, that is um, a big improvement, though, because he went from when he was three years old, when I first met him, to not talking at all. Like, we couldn't figure out what he wanted to eat, um, if he wasn't feeling well, if he wanted to do something, if he wanted to go to the bathroom. We couldn't figure any of that out. And we did spend time with him. It's not like we left him alone or anything like that. We spent time with him to really figure out maybe if there were different ways of communication. We tried to see if he could do sign or if he understood like pictures and things like that. But really nothing clicked. It just took a whole lot of patience and a whole lot of time and putting him into like school and then him being around other kids as well like my daughter um I think that definitely helped him kind of spring out of his box a little bit and be a little bit more open to talking yes he okay. he needed the interaction is yeah really what he needed because he was by himself for the longest time yeah and bringing Chloe into the picture was definitely kind of motivation I think for him and also going to school starting mm -hmm. out three days a week being around teachers and other students that could speak that was more of a motivation for him to try and talk and now based on that interview that we did with him or that I did with him um you can tell that there's still a little bit of trouble, but he's getting there. So probably by, you know, I would say about like 10 or 11, he should be speaking normally. Hopefully. Hopefully. We're, we're hopeful about that. So when we say the challenges with autism get better, we mean that for us. Now, for other people with autistic children that are on the higher end of the spectrum, probably not. It's probably not going to get any easier or any better. Um, but this is just our representation of how we deal with raising an autistic child. So on to the next question. Um, how has autism affected Nick in, in the sense of, does he understand what he has? Does he understand that he has a disorder? No, I don't believe he does. Yeah. To him, I'm sure in his own mind, he thinks he's normal, which right. would probably be the uh, the way that most people with said disorders, mm -hmm. not not just autism, any of them, uh, I'm sure they all believe that in their mind they are normal, and probably well, we are the oddballs. Actually, autist. There are some people that are autistic that understand that they have autism because they don't get tested until later on in life because they do realize that they are different. Then some other people like with sensory issues or OCD issues or social issues and, you know, a therapist or a doctor will say, hey, you have autism. And that that then puts the puzzle together and they're finally able to understand, okay, this is what has been wrong with me for the past whatever amount of years. My cousin, Grayson, um, he has autism. But he's on the very, very low end of the spectrum where he could have Asperger's or, you know, level, I guess, stage one autism. Um, and speaking with him about that, he understands that he has a disorder, but that's only because he was told about it. He was diagnosed with it and he was, he was given the education of, you're autistic, this is why, 
you know, and he has really bad social issues. Um, he can be a little bit um, finicky sometimes, a little bit... Um, narcissistic? N narcissistic, yeah. That happens in a lot of low-level autistic people as well as that narcissism can come out. Um, but that's just because they know that they're smarter than everybody else because autistic people, again, tend to pick up information a little bit quicker if they're on the lower end of the spectrum um, than that of a person who doesn't have autism. So no, no, he does not know that he has a disorder as of right now, but do you think later on he might understand? Maybe mm -hmm. once, I guess whenever his speech develops a little bit better and he starts to understand the conversations a little bit more, yeah. maybe then he'll mm -hmm. slightly understand what's going on. Right. But as of right now, no, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, some autistic people know that they have autism. Like my tattoo artist, she's autistic. And I go to her because she, I mean, she pays attention to the details, yeah. so. Yeah, I would hope so. It's kind of her job. Yeah, but she, I mean, she straight up was like, yeah, I have autism and ADHD, but, you know, I love doing this. And that's the thing with autistic people is that whatever they are passionate about, they're going to stick with it because once they hone in on a specific skill that brings them joy or makes them feel accomplished or motivated, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, what programs was he in and what is he involved in now to help him with his autism? Well, um, obviously the programs that he was in were his, uh, therapists, basically speech and behavioral, but, uh, eventually they come to their conclusions and then that's the end of those sessions. The only thing that they ask you to do is just continue it at home or get him in the school, which we do. Mm -hmm. He's in school for, you know, now he's in, was it kindergarten? He's in kindergarten, yeah. And uh, he he was in pre-K, uh, not just last year. And uh, we had to switch him schools because the program that they had there for his specific needs ended, ended. at pre-k mm -hmm. which was kind of a bummer because he really enjoyed that particular school fortunately it wasn't that far away from his district school but they don't have this full needs for him at the new school at the old school they had the behavioral therapists there over here they don't but that, that's fine because we picked up the routine of what they did there and try to do them at home as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that seems to work, but he definitely enjoys his school. Yeah. Because that's where he gets all the uh, interactions that he needs and all the uh, necessary learning skills. Yep. So that really does help him out a lot. And I, um, I'm a little bit more involved with his school just mainly because you're at work a lot. So I have to do, you know, talking with the teachers and doing back and forth conversations with them and understanding what kind of classes he's in. And I, yeah, absolutely. He loves his school a hundred percent. He would rather go all seven days during the week and be there with, with, um, his class and his teachers because they do a really excellent job. 
um, the uh, the person that is in charge of uh, his learning, which is an IEP, or what's it st- what's it stand for again? Individual education plan. Plan, yeah. And um, basically, what that is is it's just like kind of a, a summary of all the things that uh, all the goals that you're trying to meet, and if he's met those specific goals, and then what the next step are in those goals. And we had thought that going into kindergarten, he was just going to be in a special education classroom because that's what he was in in pre-K. But they determined based on his learning and his behavior as well that he was able to be in special education classes and general education classes or normal kindergarten classes. Mm -hmm. And he does really, really well in the learning department. He even got student of the month last month because he did so well with his behavior and his learning and he's just he's just doing an amazing job. So he's getting better at that stuff. So it soon to be he might not even be in special education classes. So hopefully. Yeah. Um do we treat him differently than our other kids? No. No. We don't. No. <laughs> I mean in a way we in a specific Civic way ways, yes. we do, but we do that with all of our kids because not one child that you raise is ever going to be the same so you can't discipline them the same you can't i mean there's just certain things that you cannot do no but as far as us uh, how we treat them and raise them we try to do it all equally Mm-hmm. yes we do um because like i said before nick understands right and wrong he understands if he does something bad that that's that he's not supposed to do it. He understands that there are consequences to those actions. So we definitely teach them cause and effect. Um, he also understands that if he does something right, he's going to be praised and potentially rewarded for it, which we do with all of our other kids. And the thing that I, that me personally, I hate is when somebody tries to put him in this bubble of, well, he's autistic. He can't do it. So I'm going to treat him like a baby. He's not a baby. He's a six-year-old kid. Uh, his autism is not a crutch. It's not a disability. It's not anything that defines him. He is Nick. He is a happy, go-lucky little boy that has a speech delay. But, I mean, and maybe some comprehension issues. But other than that, I just, I hate it when people mark them with a, like, in a cardboard box with a a tape on it that says fragile. Like, just let them be kids. I absolutely hate it when he's treated like a baby. Mm -hmm. And you know specifically what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do, but we're not going to go there. Yeah. Um, But we, we teach our children the same, the same ways with the same morals and the same understandings of, if you make a mess, you clean it up. If you've done something wrong, there's consequences to your actions. If you've done something right, then you get praise and reward. And um, we don't single any of the kids out. We don't say that Nick can't do specific activities that the other kids can do or vice versa. We always make sure that we uh, allow them to just play together, read together, be on tablets, watch TV together, you know, whatever kids do, we have them all do it together. And I personally think that that is a great thing for Nick to be involved in because like you said, he was alone for a while, not having any other kids around him. 
And now that he has two other siblings, one by blood, one by marriage, um, I think he definitely is motivated to, like, talk more and to be more involved and to comprehend things a lot more. So I think he's he's just he's just an amazing kid. They're all amazing, but he's just he's definitely blossoming into something that we we were scared wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give to other parents or other people in general that have come into contact or are in contact with autistic children specifically or parents, you know, did I say parents, parents of autistic children, patients, Mm -hmm. be very, very patient with them. Obviously they don't, they don't pick up on things as well in some aspects they do, but they, they won't pick up on things like regular children will do. So you have to have a little bit more patience with them because they tend to uh, are a little bit slower when it comes to social interactions. Sometimes. Sometimes. Like if you're sitting there trying to have a conversation with them and they seem spaced out, be patient because mm-hmm. they're they're basically focused on everything around them at one given time. So they're on overdrive, but mm-hmm. you don't see it that way. Right. So yes, patience is probably the key thing about raising an autistic child. Yeah. Also, from my point of view, or you know, I've only been a a parent of an autistic child for three years. But I will say that yes, patience is definitely the key because when I first came in into your all's lives, I really didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing. And of course I got frustrated and I lost my patience a little bit because I just didn't understand why he behaved the way that he did. Um, but the more counselors I talked to, the more teachers I've talked to, the more doctors I've talked to, um, the more research I've done and the more like come to Jesus moments I've had and actually working on my patience and really understanding his point of view. Yes, patience is definitely the key, but also getting them involved in extracurricular activities. So if you have a young child that is potentially autistic or has already been diagnosed with autism, find programs through your local, like maybe your local government um, website can help you find programs for your child's needs, like classes, and they can pay for it depending on your income. Or um, if they are like around three to four, five, six years old, Um, Getting them involved in classrooms, you know, even if it's special education classrooms, getting them involved is probably the best thing that you can do for a child because not only does it allow them to interact with other people, but it gives them the motivation, or in our case, you know, with our son, it gives him the motivation to, to do better and to be better. So getting them involved in in other programs would be would be my advice. So, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to add on to that? Mm, no, not, 
Not really. Just remember that all autistic people, whether they range from child to elderly person, are all going to be different. There's not one autistic person that is the same. So the type of the type of conversation that we're having is just simply based on the education that we have been given on our son. So if we've made a mistake on on something that we've said about an autistic person, please don't take it personally. We're just going by what we have researched on our child. Um, and again, we definitely applaud anybody and everybody who is working with mentally challenged people. Um, you are all superheroes in our book. Um, tune in next Friday and we are going to be talking about 90s nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram page. It's at Late Night Podcast. If you go over there, you'll get exclusive updates, sneak peeks of the episodes, and then you'll also get to uh, learn a little bit more about us as creators. So we post pretty much every single day except for the weekends. So, (laughs) yeah, we take our our breaks then. Um, Just a reminder, our podcasts are up. Our, ep- our new episodes of our podcast, excuse me, are uploaded every Friday at 8 p.m. So we will see you guys then. Thank you. Bye.